Well, hey, folks, Lisa Anderson here uh, for this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Welcome and uh, great to have you with us. I always like giving a little preview of what's coming up on the show. So later for our inbox, we have a listener who has a very difficult relationship with her mom and she is wondering, is it time maybe to put some distance between us? So she's going to talk through a couple of the elements there and one of our counselors is going to weigh in. For our culture segment, you have heard of taking a gap year, but what about something called the gap decade? Yeah, um, that's the title of a new book by author Katie Schnack, which is about how to trust God as a young adult and wondering like, yeah, is this going to stretch out forever? Well, hopefully we'll have some hope for you. Okay, here we are for our roundtable and a very apropos here because we're going to actually talk about expectations versus reality in your 20s. And I think, you know, a lot of us have great aspirations being in college or maybe even all the way back to high school of like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. This is, I think, kind of what life is going to look like. This is certainly what my parents or my church or the culture or whomever promised me. And uh, is that actually what happens? You all know that I have many times spoken of my 20s as being a wasteland. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but not too much. Um, And so hopefully we're going to get some good wisdom and camaraderie amongst our panel today. We have got John Page and James here. Hey, y'all. Hello there. Hi, Lisa. All right. Well, I also have to mention that we are uh, we're taping this on actually James's last week with us here at Boundless. This will be his last appearance on the Boundless show for now. You know, it will be as an and employee. By the time you listen to this, I'll be gone. And maybe Jesus has come back or something too. Like we don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. We're trusting James. Yeah. We're trusting the Lord's timing for that. So, um, but it's always been fun to have you contribute to uh, the Boundless Show in so many different ways. And so, in fact, it was kind of thinking through this when John and I were talking about it. We're like, uh, I said, Oh my goodness, I've had conversations with James about this. So we got to make this one happen before he leaves. So, um, well, let's go ahead and jump right in. So let's talk through first of all. Would you say, where where do you feel like, you know, if people say, yeah, have your 20s been, you know, what you've expected? And, you know, I know, James, you're at the end of your 20s. You have a young son who practically thought you're at death's door because you're <laughs> in your late 20s. Yep. Um, and then I know John, mid-ish 20s. Yes. Had, okay, you're what, 20? 27. 27 now. Oh, my goodness, yes. We're taping this. John's birthday was yesterday, so he's he's now in his late 20s, y'all. We're going <laughs> to mm-hmm. call him. And Paige, where are you? 20, uh, 26. 26, okay. So, all right. So let's talk about our 20s. Did Have they gone as you expected so far? And if not, what has been different than what you expected? They have absolutely not gone the way. <laughs> James, that I tell have us how expected. you feel about this. Okay, in what ways specifically? Um, well, like you kind of alluded to uh, in your introduction, I feel like there's a lot of expectations that are given, or I don't know, like people tell you, "Oh, this is what happened in my 20s." It's like that was in the 60s or 50s or something. <laughs> like, you know, so they're projecting that onto you, and that's how it should go. Once you're out of college, you're going to buy a house, you're going to get your career you know, all settled, you're going to have kids and everything. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. that's not exactly what happens at all. So it was, it was very surprising. It was very chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean it's all bad. Okay, good. Yeah, when I was maybe 12, I mapped out like a life plan. And I'm pretty sure I was supposed to have maybe three or four kids by now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am single. <laughs> there are no children. So it definitely, you know, from my childhood, not how I expected. When I 
by the time I was leaving college, it was pretty clear, like, I'm going to be single going into adulthood. And so in that sense, I think it has been more or less what I expected as I take things, you know, a day, a month, a year at a time, being like, okay, another year of what God has called me to in singlehood, in uh, my job, whatever it may be. In that sense, I feel like it's gone mm-hmm. as planned. Okay. How about you, John? For me, in some ways, it's definitely gone easier than I expected. Mm. In other ways, it's been a lot tougher than I would have thought. Ironically, when I look back on my early college self when I was 18, 19, I remember times where I was just going to class and I was thinking in the back of my head, am I going to be able to afford the real world? Am I going to be able to pay bills? Am I going to be able to make payments and be able to just handle life itself. Ironically, that part's actually been a little easier than I thought, Mm. but circumstantially in a few ways, it was definitely tougher, partly because of the death of my mom. Mm -hmm. That played a huge role in my 20s as far as just um, really kind of throwing me a curveball with how to handle life and Mm -hmm. relying on God in ways that maybe I didn't even expect to rely on him. So... I would say it's been a mixed bag in some ways, easier, other ways tougher. Yeah, that's good. I remember in thinking back on my 20s, I very much expected the job search and the career trajectory to be much easier. I Mm -hmm. thought, I'm a smart person. I got good grades in college. All I have to do is introduce people to this amazingness and they're going to be like, we're going to hire you and we're going to promote you and you'll probably be the president of this company. Okay, yeah, no, that did not happen. Um, So that was a big blown bubble right there. Um, And then I think too, just the the navigating like you know again you think you're going to plant yourself somewhere and just build this community and be all and I was kind of moved all over the map too in my 20s I didn't really I I felt like I was trying to hold on to my college friends but they were all dispersing and so I had to make new friends and I wasn't really great at making new friends I kind of just had all these acquaintances and so it, it felt I just felt like a little bit lost. It was a little bit discomforting on that front, I think. Um, okay, so let's talk about the um, the job front first, like jobs and finances. Let's hit that first, because I think, again, if you guys have like boomer parents, you know, this was like they were born and came of age in an era of great wealth, like in our nation and stuff like that. And it was a little more ordered. They didn't have the chaos of like... It, if you would would have said to them back then the gig economy and all this, they'd be like, "What? Mm-hmm. No, you just join a company and stay there for forty years, whatever." So I think that some of it's the misperceptions or the generational differences between people who are hiring and the younger workforce, and just just all of that. But how has that played out for you personally in the way you've tried to find your way? Yeah, I think you know you can't get a job anymore by going in and giving someone a nice firm handshake, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's not how you get work. So I remember when we moved to Colorado Springs, I was applying for a job, and, and that's a whole story in itself, but I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> um, but I was a, I had to apply for a job. I didn't get it, but we were here, and I, I applied for 40 jobs. Like, I have a list of every single job I applied for, and that wasn't just, like, throwing out my resume willy-nilly. It was just, you know, it was actually I put in time and thought into the cover letters, into the resume, into what jobs I'm applying for. 
and I mean it was it was chaos. Mm-hmm. There was one interview that I went to that had like fifty. It was a group interview, which I'm like, this is a thing, and there were like fifty <laughs> other people there. Oh my word! Wanting to wow. be interviewed for this position, I'm like, what is going on? So I mean, that was it's shocking like a Broadway to me. audition. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. But what I found is that I had to take a lot of jobs, uh, especially early on that really just provided for me and my family, Mm -hmm. right? Because I did get married younger. um, So I had to provide for my wife and I while we were in college and stuff. But you just kind of have to do, that's what I realized. It's like, you can't just get your dream job. You have to live. So that's what comes first. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a shock to me. It's like, oh, I actually have to just do something Mm -hmm. in order to survive. And that was a surprise. Yeah, I remember actually leaving college and being getting my first job and bursting into tears because the lack of freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, because even as a college student, even though you know you have papers to write and lots of stuff sucks up your weekends, I'm like, can I even survive only having two weeks of vacation a year the rest of my life, you know? And I just felt like it was a big ball and chain and I was all <laughs> depressed about it <laughs> and stuff. So it took, took a while to work out of that mentality. But John, how about you? Senior year of college was very interesting for me because in that last semester, I didn't have quite as much homework to do, and it almost felt like I was doing homework and applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, it was one thing after another was falling through, and it wasn't working out. But I found that what helped for me was actually networking with my professors. Mm -hmm. They helped so much with being able to connect me with people who, because I was a media major, people who were already in the field. That helped a lot. And it actually proved to be what led me to getting the job here at Focus. But I was probably 10 months graduated by the time I got that. And it helped that in between the time I graduated to when I actually got the job, I was working a few part-time gigs. Mm. Mm-hmm. really just to get me out of the house because mm-hmm. there were days where I would just sit at home and I would apply, 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 and nothing was working out and I'd feel depressed. And I'm like, God, does my life mean anything anymore? Mm-hmm. Am I going to make it through this season? But he carried me through it. And so it definitely was a lot tougher than I expected. But looking back on it, I wouldn't trade the things I learned in that season because of what God taught me. Yeah. It's weird, and and Paige, I want you to answer too, but it's weird because where did this like weird shame come from that you can't just work part-time jobs or do, we have this idea that you just have to like get some amazing job right out the gate that's going to take you into your career and use all your best skills and whatever, and that does not happen. I mean, I feel like, did you guys have that impressed upon you? Because clearly reality doesn't match up to that. I think so. I feel like um, there was... There's a lot of talk of like going to get your master's degree because that's what's going to go, you know, push you over the it's edge. It's just because people don't know career. what to do. So they're just <laughs> right. going to get more schooling. Yeah. And that's it's a... like, you know, that came a lot from, you know, grandparents and mm-hmm. other um, yeah. people in that generation. And I was like, yeah, I'll go get my master's degree if you guys want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Because like, how am I supposed to afford getting a master's degree uh, when I can't even find a job? Like mm-hmm. that's pretty substantial like Mm -hmm. this makes no sense and i don't want to get myself into that much debt just to start out my life yeah so to me i was like no i'm not i can't do that okay Paige, any unique financial or career challenges (laughs) well yeah my senior year of college uh my parents were like you need to be looking for jobs and i have a couple (laughs) older brothers that are engineers and so they had jobs lined up before they even started their last semester of college and I'm telling my parents, like, I want to I wanna work in administration at a Christian ministry. They are not 
hiring four months in advance. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. not going to work. But what ended up happening and I, I had a very different experience from you guys, and that's really just the Lord's grace. I knew I wanted to work for a Christian ministry, so I decided Colorado Springs was a logical location, and some family friends offered to let me live with them while I figured out what I was doing, and uh, it took two days. I applied for one job, and the Lord opened those doors, and I worked there for a year and a half, and it was a, a really great uh, first job to have. Mm. Um so I guess that's the encouragement. It, is, it isn't always 40 job applications. The Lord, I think, leads us each into, he has a good plan for each of us, and that will look different for everybody. Um, so you don't need to get discouraged or feel superior, mm -hmm. depending on which way uh, his plan goes for you. Yeah. What would you guys say about, um, you know, people often talk about your 20s for a number of reasons as being kind of this season or this era where you really do have to kind of grow up in a sense of like, you know, some people will put it just on marriage, like, oh, when you get married, you're going to grow up. But I think at this point, it's like, no, you're going <laughs> to, this is going to happen either way. What's one or two ways specifically that you know you have had to grow up and mature and take something on that you maybe, I mean, maybe it happened sooner than you thought, maybe it, you know, was something you it didn't happen in the way you thought it would, but what has been a big growth point for you in your 20s? It definitely is just learning to manage money on your own. Hmm. I remember I had a big wake-up call probably about two years ago. I was driving a car that a family member had blessed me with, and it was a great car, but I remember one day where the transmission went out, and all of a sudden I was not in a position to be able to afford a new one, and I was really just in a pickle. That really taught me because I would I wasn't necessarily bad at managing money at that time, but after that happened, I started to realize, okay, I probably need to be a little more disciplined at saving. Mm -hmm. So that was a big wake-up call that taught me, hey, the money you have, don't just spend it all. I mean, I wasn't going into debt for anything along those lines, but... Yeah. At the same time, I wasn't a very good saver before that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. thankfully, I had some people help me to be able to get a newer car at mm -hmm. the time. But so saving money, if you can save money in college, if it's possible, definitely start doing it because there may be a situation where you really need the extra cash someday. Yeah, because no one's stocking your fridge but you. Right. <laughs> so you better figure that out. So, okay. I think uh, one transition for me was learning how to... Um, really connect to the whole church body. If you hang out in young adult groups all the time, you're not really connected to the church. Mm -hmm. And so learning to get outside of my comfort zone and talk to the families with kids, talk to the older empty nesters and the the really <laughs> older people <laughs> and just mm -hmm. get out there and make friends with different people because um, that's you need all of them. You can't just hang out with the people you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think for me, one of the biggest things was probably like determining my way like what path do we want to take as a family me as an individual so i mean financial decisions career decisions like where do we want to live i mean all those things are now on you and you know your spouse if you're married but those are big decisions so i mean there's a lot of thought you know we want to move to colorado for several reasons we we like the mountains but there was also the job factor it's like can we find a job here and there's lots of ministries in colorado springs so we're like yeah that seems reasonable um cost of living has gone up in the past couple of years but <laughs> when we were looking at it it seemed better than where we were living at the time 
So it's like, yeah. So, you know, considering all those things that are going to affect you in seriously major ways, it's like, oh, wow, this is all up to me now. Yeah, I think I remember for me, kind of the one was just the, the sad reality of kind of what I alluded to growing up and realizing that I I actually have to figure out how to do some things because I, I moved away from home pretty quickly. So the whole idea of like the place I was living in, like the fence got broken down and I'm like, are there fence people? Like, who do you even call? <laughs> so just figuring out like basic life skills that I realized like, man, I had always just leaned on my dad to do so much stuff or make help make decisions or help figure out, you know, oh my goodness, taxes. I need to do my taxes. I need to stuff like that. And then I would say the other bigger piece was the relational piece of what what does it look like to really learn how to communicate, learn how to be selfless, learn how to do conflict with people and not just run or be super shallow and stuff. I think, um, you know, coming into my own and being like, Lisa, if you don't make friends, you're not going to have anyone to hang out with and you're going to have to learn how to, you know, keep friends and and kind of move into that sphere. I I think that uh, I think that was really important for me. Um, Okay. What is there something that you guys wish someone would have prepared you for or told you about your 20s that maybe you would like to pass on to other folks moving moving forward? Something that immediately comes to mind for me is this very simple phrase, but yet it really has helped me. And that is just enjoy the journey that God has you on. Your 20s are a time where you're just experimenting. You're trying to figure life out. I remember as a kid, some of my childhood dreams that I had, honestly, when I got to 18 or 19, my dreams completely changed. Hmm. And as I got into my 20s, I was just experimenting. I moved to a new place that I had never been to before. And really enjoying the journey is just such a gift. I mean, every day that God gives us is a gift. Every relational connection he gives us is a gift. And there are times where it's good to just take a moment and just look at what's around you and say, hey, God has blessed me with some wonderful things. And and as opposed to just thinking, oh, I got to get to the next thing. I got to get to the next thing. Take some time and just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, I think along those lines, Something I've been uh, reflecting on a lot this year is that God gives us grace for today, but he's, he hasn't given us grace yet for next year. So when we spend time worrying about the future and what, what tomorrow's going to look like in the next day, God will give us grace for those moments, but he hasn't yet. And so anxiety is really imagining you know, a future where God hasn't, doesn't really exist because he hasn't given you, you that grace yet. Um, so that's really encouraged me and helped me to just think about my anxiety that I have about the future differently and yeah, trust that the same God who's with me today is going to be there next year too. Yeah. I definitely second both of those answers. They're something I would definitely recommend for any 20 year old listening or college student. Um, for me, I feel like I would, I would say learn to be okay with questions. Um, you know, your life adult life just hits you in ways you don't expect and you might start asking questions you never thought you would ask and that's okay you know find people to listen who will listen to you and also learn how to listen to other people so you can get a better understanding of where people are coming from you know when I was in college and stuff I thought I knew everything and I quickly learned I did not and there's certain things I thought I knew I shifted 
you know, perspective and I think for the better in lots of ways, but that's something you have to kind of realize. It's like, admit you were wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that was a pretty big lesson I had to learn. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think I would say as the one person here who has passed into the thirties and beyond, um, I remember thinking to myself how, cause, um, my dad died when I was 30 and I remember thinking, and I even think this now of like, oh, I wish I would have had more time with him to share. Like, I wish he would have even been able to see like where I ended up because my 20s, like, again, I was so angry. I remember my dad one time saying, are you even employable? Like, he was so nervous about me, like just not landing anywhere. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad, you know, and um, but I just feel like in my 30s, I kind of settled into myself and became much more like, okay, this is something I can do. This is something I'm going to grow here. I don't have to be famous. I don't have to be, I don't have to get super advanced degrees and think that they're going to accomplish something for me and just kind of working out what my strengths were and not trying to have everyone else's strengths was so important to to learn and to just be me in that. And the other thing I wish someone would have told me, again, alluding to the fact that my dad died when I was 30, was to really spend some time and invest in my family in my 20s and get to know. I mean, if you all still have grandparents around, get to know them, invest in them, talk to them, interview them about their lives, you know, and even your parents. Um, allow them to speak into your life because it is hard when you, you know, and, and some folks like John are going to lose a parent in your 20s. And that's just, you know, God walks you through that too and stuff. But but all that extended family too, that you're like, oh, I don't have time for you. I need to go out and get my career and figure out, I need to make friends. And But remember that those folks who knew you when you were <laughs> just a sprout um, will will have great input in your life as well. So I think that's important. But yeah, and be be encouraged in that because uh, God does, you know, he's moving everyone along on a journey at your own pace. Um, surely isn't this a Chronicles of Narnia quote, James, of the, what is it, Mrs. Beaver or something? The whole, just live out your own story. Don't be worried about the other person's story. I, I feel like there was something there. Oh, that sounds, that sounds Ooh, has, right. Doesn't yeah, that sound as, right? As, I, I think it's Aslan, it Aslan, the horse and his boy, maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he says that yeah. their story isn't for you to live. I've mm, given yep. you your own story. So, yeah. okay. Woof, that was a lot of work <laughs> pulling that one out. I should have been more prepared for that. So, all right. But thanks, you guys, so much for sharing your hearts and weighing in on this. It's really cool. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you.
Well, hey, everyone. We are here for this week's culture segment, and often we feature someone who is an author and has a brand new book coming out, and today is no exception because we're going to be talking about the gap decade when you're technically an adult but really don't feel like it yet. Uh, I have Katie Schnack, the author, on the line. Hey, Katie. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we were talking about how this your book just came out, what, two days ago? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Absolutely. Yes. Fabulous. So, um, so it's really fun for us to be able to showcase it. And I was, of course, telling you how uh, this is something that our audience gets very angsty about because, and I could say, even though I'm out of my 30s now, you know, beyond young adulthood, I remember this season and feeling like, oh my goodness, the whole world is before me. There are all these opportunities and then none of them panned out the way I wanted them to. Um, so it was a little bit frustrating. So I want to start out because you're calling this the gap decade because people will say they'll refer to a gap year, basically, that a mm-hmm. lot of people take either straight up after high school or after college. It sometimes differs. And it's kind of that like using opportunities, finding yourself, having some fun, kind of pivoting towards you know the real world and all that. But you're saying that for you, it really became the gap decade of kind of like, okay, what do we, what do we do with this? Because, you know, you're, this is really a season. And I say this a lot at Boundless of some of your biggest decisions in life are being made during this time. I mean, we're talking about education, career, a future spouse, sometimes navigating your faith, taking ownership of it. And so talk to us a little bit about when you looked at you know, post-college, kind of that, you know, the front end of of young adulthood, what actually did you expect it to look like? And how, you know, what was the wake-up call for you that kind of like, oh, I I feel like we're we're promised these things, and I'm not sure who's promising us all this, and then it doesn't pan out. Exactly. We're trying to figure out who to blame. So what did you actually expect it to look like on the front end? That's a really good question. And I think it's a good question because I think, the gap decade season is a lot of expectations that don't necessarily pan out in the way that you think. And for me, the one that immediately comes to mind is just how long things would take. Like you said, in this season of twenties and thirties, people are trying to get a spouse. They're trying to get, you know, buy a home, get a job, all of these things. And like you expect to graduate college and then they happen really quickly after that, but they just don't. So what was really challenging for me, and it's a theme that's definitely throughout the Gap Decade book is waiting. And I think that's something that early on I just had to, by force, become comfortable with um, because life was just not moving as fast as I wanted it to. And there was just a season, a lot of seasons of waiting. And looking back now, I can see that those seasons of waiting were for a purpose and um, for my good. But at that time, it was really difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think too, I mean, as we as we think through this, it's kind of like that, that whole idea of like, you think of college, and there are certain things that you can kind of predict, you know, you're going to slog through some kind of degree program, probably, you're going to do some internships, knock them out, we kind of have our little notches, you know, and the things that we can check off our list. But then it's like you get into your 20s, and it's like all bets are off. And other people have control over some some of the things, some of the decisions you want to make. Um, you know, sometimes no one has control. What would you say, Katie, were some of the most unexpected uncertainties that you encountered early on? Some of the most unexpected uncertainties that I encountered would definitely be when God called us to go places that we never, ever expected or had on our radar. And I think any time when something comes into your life, whether it's a job 
or it's a new city that you're going to live in or someone that you meet that was never on your radar, those things can be interesting because you know that it's there for a purpose, but it wasn't something that you ever had planned on. And so I think like in the gap decade, those things pop up a lot, right? When you get a new job that requires you to leave everything you felt comfortable with and move across the country, um, or, you know, if you're in a relationship and all of a sudden you realize this is not who I'm supposed to be with and those kind of unexpected changes happen. Um, I think that just like the surprises that happen that you never had planned on, um, never had saw coming, but then they do. And at the time it can be really overwhelming and scary. But what I'm so grateful for now is just the opportunity to look back with perspective and just see that they were all there for a purpose. And that's why I wanted to write this book, um, just to kind of help other people who are walking through that season of transition and change and growth and all the craziness that comes with that. Just give them, you know, a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel um, that they too one day will be able to look back and kind of understand why things worked out the way that they did. Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, you, when it comes to like relationally and stuff, you actually met your husband, Kyle, when you were 12. So a lot of people would be like, oh, well, at least you got that done. You know, at least that came early for you and you figured everything out on that front. But you're pretty honest in the book about how you guys have walked through a lot of ups and downs together. Um, There were was a lot of back and forth. And it doesn't mean that just being married is going to give you purpose and direction and solve all your problems. So how have you navigated some of that as a couple? Wow, that's, that's such a good point that, you know, just being married isn't going to just fulfill everything in life. And I've certainly seen that over my 13 years of marriage now. For us being married so young, I think it's been really interesting to have to grow up together, which in a way brings its own set of challenges. Um, it's been such a blessing and I'm so grateful for it. And I know it's the weirdest story ever that I met him when I was 12 and we've pretty much been together since then. But also too, we had to navigate these kind of tougher adult things together. And sometimes it was, it made it even more difficult, right? Like trying to figure out like when we got married at 21, we were horrible at finances or like, you know, like he wanted to go to grad school and just all these things. So it added a little bit of extra challenge in that way, but I think at the main, the base of all of it, just having each other to kind of laugh throughout all of the challenges has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, again, when a lot of people think of trying to struggle through and soldier through their 20s, obviously job and career comes to mind. You clearly had your favorite job ever when you were a waitress. and. <laughs> <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> and you, you outlined that kind of in the book. But I think it's very good, the story. I mean, talk about really why that was such a letdown for you and unexpected in that sense. But then the season of waiting, again, coming back to that theme, and an opportunity that presented itself um, that you, you say very starkly in the book, this opportunity wouldn't have been around had I jumped the mm-hmm. gun and tried to make it happen when it when it was really a timing issue. So talk about like trusting God through the waiting and waitressing <laughs> and then what that turned into uh, as you waited for another opportunity to come along. I know. And I mean, so basically after college, I worked in TV news after college and then my husband went to grad school in Austin, Texas, and it was 2009. And so there were no jobs available ever. It was right after the crash and everything. So I had to waitress just so we could literally just pay our bills. And I hated it. And I say in the book, I'm like, if you love being a server, like I am so happy for you, but it is just not it's just not me. I just I do not like doing it, but I do it because it pays the bills. Um, so I did do that and for a year and 
I would go home every day and I would apply and I would try and try and try and try and try to find a job to get a writing gig to do anything that wasn't serving burgers, but nothing was nothing was happening. And it was so wild because at the end of that year, um, and I write about this in the book, I decided to go to a writing conference to just kind of connect with people. I was trying to get some books launched and things like that. And at that conference, I won a contest where I met um, a man named Rusty Shelton, and he became um, and for like a free consult thing. And essentially, we were talking. He was giving me a website consultation, and he said, hey, I want to hire you. And I was like, I don't know what your job is, but I'll do it and because it's not involving burgers and french fries. So essentially, he became my first boss, and I became a book publicist. And I've been a book publicist now for um, over 10 years. And it, when, he, when I was struggling serving burgers and being, frankly, miserable um, at that job, he was starting his company, and he had just launched it when we met at that conference. And so while I was doing my struggling thing, he was getting his thing started. So it was such an amazing time to see, thing to see um, God's timing. Because like you said, like that job didn't even exist when I moved to Austin um, and it was being created and it was being formed. And it was, it was honestly so perfect for me and the timing I can see now that I can see now how it all worked out. Yeah. Well, and it's so cool just to see how, you know, there that willingness to take a few risks and to say yes to that opportunity when it's like, you know, it's not like God just spoke to you in a dream and said you're going to be a book publicist, but you moved forward with something that maybe there was some uncertainty towards. And a lot of times, I think, especially for younger adults, that's a great payoff because it gives you some learning experience and the opportunity to take a risk in an opportunity that you might not otherwise have thought of. Well, one of the other things you talk about that I think is very interesting in the book is the idea of how letting go just straight up of stuff and simplifying your life has been very helpful to you in being being open uh, and being a little bit more nimble in being able to take opportunities and reframe things and look ahead at what God may have. And I know you were considering, you know, a move to New York City. I mean, good great. How many times have you actually moved or thought of moving places? It's horrifying how many times I've moved. Like, like I have a friend who's going to move right now. I'm like, this is what you got to do. X, Y, Z. You got to call this person. I do this. Like, we know, like, I know I have like U-Haul in my phone. It's, yeah. It was a lot, but it was awesome now. And I mean, we feel pretty settled now um, in our little farm with two children in Florida, but it was wild. It was moving is really hard no matter where Like it's just hard. And starting over in new cities can be really challenging, Um, but it can also be a really beautiful experience, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. Well, how did you decide to, I mean, because again, a lot of people think, oh, okay, well, I get my first job, and then I'm going to buy a house, and then I'm going to, and the thought of accumulating more stuff Mm -hmm. and more responsibility and all that is at the top of mind. But you're saying that actually being able to run pretty lean helped you in some of those decisions and some of those moves. It absolutely did. Yeah. And I think that at the in the age of the gap decade, in the 20s and your early 30s, um, there's a lot of opportunity to look sideways at what everyone else is doing and what everybody else has and start thinking like, man, I wish I had that kind of a house or I wish like I had that kind of a job, Um, you know, but like what you need to do is just keep your eyes in your own lane, right? Because like I think just having, I don't know, wanting to accumulate so much stuff is going to eventually just take you off the path that you should be walking for yourself anyway. So yeah, like my husband and I, he was an actor. So we would go sometimes and live in hotels for his shows. And we would literally have this like little set of plates that we would bring with us. And it was just so simple, but so beautiful because he'd be in the shows. I'd be working on my writing. We just 
you know, just living a very simple, basic life, um, full of community, full of people, full of creativity. And um, those plates to me kind of became a symbol of that thinking about scaling back and being simple and not thinking about, you know, getting more and more and more and bigger and bigger and bigger and more things, more things. And I still have those plates in my kitchen, in my house. And um, I look at them sometimes and I'm just reminded that like, hey, like that was one of the most beautiful times of our lives. And all we had was a suitcase and some plates. <laughs> um, so I think there's, there's something to that where you can kind of reframe what's really important. Um, obviously, like, you know, now like we have children and we're so grateful for our home and for things like that. But that just wasn't what we were called to in our early 20s. And it was for some other people, but not for us. Um, so I think just kind of keeping that in perspective that like, keep, you know, this is the path that you're on. This is where God is calling you. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's calling you to things, um, but experiences and people and relationships and just kind of appreciating that when that is the path that you're on, because it's, it might not always be that way, but when it is, it's kind of a sweet thing. Yeah. So you mentioned, and you obviously talk about this through the book, how contentment is such a theme in what you're saying here. And what would you say, how can a young adult, Katie, get a balanced perspective on staying content and being like, God's got this and I don't have to map out my whole life and the next 10 years and whatever, but also being intentional and being forward looking in you know, doing some healthy planning, doing some, okay, well, I do want to maybe be a little bit, you know, um, more directional in kind of trying to go after this opportunity. Because, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think you're saying that, oh, yeah, just lay back on your couch and hope someone's going to drop opportunities in your lap. So what's a great way to maintain that contentment slash kind of hungry balance in that sense? That's a really, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think of my husband when you say that, because we're very different personality types and I'm very much like, I will make this happen. Like X, Y, Z, like let's do this. Um, and he is very much more calm and just like assured. And there'll be, there were seasons where like, for example, we were in Memphis and we really wanted to move home by our family in Minnesota. And, um, I was like, you got to apply for all these jobs. You got to do this. You got to do this. And he literally was like, Katie, he's like, God will figure this out. And I was like, that's really annoying that you said that, but I know you're right because it's just true. And so anytime there's been like a really big change in our life, it's been just something that God has dropped in our lap in a way. But like you said, in between those times, we were, you know, just like taking step by step by step towards what we thought was the right way, what we thought was the right way to go with our career, what we thought was the right, um, you know, place to live, place to be, and then just being so prayerful about it frankly, that's it, right? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like taking a step by step as far as you can see into the light. And then anything beyond that, be like, God, you take the rest because this is as much as I can do with my two little hands, but I'm going to need you to have to take the rest. Yeah. So you alluded to the fact now that now you're living in Florida, you're obviously married, you have two kids, you clearly, as you look back on this season, um, you know, and and you and your husband having two pretty different personalities, what would you say, this is like, you know, personal disclosure, um, what, (laughs) what are your biggest growth points? Like if you look through and said, like, here is where I have grown exponentially, here's where I've seen my husband grow. These are the things that we never would have charted maybe for ourselves, but whether it's a character thing, a maturity thing, a knowledge, you know, information kind of thing, where has the growth come that you can really see is setting you up for the next decade of life? 
Wow, that's a really good question. I honestly feel like the both of us have grown the most in the same way because we've, I mean, like we said, like since we were 12, it's just together, same path, same thing. But the thing recently that really has been an area of growth is finding peace and finding happy, not even just peace, but joy when things are challenging. And yes, things were challenging when we were in our 20s and we didn't know, you know, if we were going to be able to find a job, um, if we were going to be able, you know, where we were going to be going to grad school, where we were going to be living. In that season, I struggled a lot with anxiety. I actually um, was diagnosed with anxiety and I had to go on medicine, all of that. But it wasn't even, it was more than that. It was like, I was constantly just like trying mentally to get like trying to control my circumstances and situations and all that um, and just worrying way more than I should. And I feel like now we've gone through so many times where we have been like, okay, we're being called to move here. We're being called to do this. We're being called to do this. We don't know why. We don't even really want to do it, but it's so clear um, in our hearts that this is where God's calling us. We're going to do it. And if those things come up now, it's like we do it with so much more peace because we've seen God time and time again just provide for the tiniest little things, provide for everything for us in all of those situations. So I know that if he did that a million times over the last decade, I know that he's going to do it again now. So just kind of finding happiness and contentment and joy, even when things are uncertain, because even when you're 30 and 40 and whatever, things are still going to be a little bit uncertain, right? And they're still Mm -hmm. going to have times where things are challenging or when you're going through a big transition. But I feel like both Kyle and I, my husband, when those do come up now, we just both are like, okay, we've been through this before. We can get through it again. Like, it's going to be okay. God is trustable. God loves us. He's provided for us before, and he'll provide for us now. Yeah. And I like how in the book, you really hit on so many of those different areas of trust. I mean, you did, you alluded to mental health, you address that in the book, you address just straight up being broke. I mean, and not knowing where, you know, where Mm -hmm. your next paycheck's going to come from or whatever. Um, So there are so many things. And I often like to say here on the Boundless Show, we all trust God with something. So right now, for some in our audience, it might be singleness. And they're like, Oh, if I were only married, it would like, solve all my problems. Mm -hmm. But then you get married, and then you're maybe trying to get pregnant. Or maybe you eventually have a, a teenager who walks out of your house, you know, and doesn't want anything to do with you or you find you struggle financially. So, yeah, no, you know, it's it's really our uh, privilege to trust God with everything that we face in life, whether it's the challenges of young adulthood or or beyond. So I think that's uh, so great that you that you put that out there. So, um, yeah, it is it is really fun. And it's you know, and you even again, you even go in uh, to the book on on, uh, you know, trying to get pregnant and the whole feeling of, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a control issue too. And then, or other people will say, oh, I, I definitely don't want to get pregnant because I have all these things that I need to do, but sometimes God mm-hmm. uses family to give us opportunities. So I think it's just so absolutely. multifaceted in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting, like you were saying, like when you're younger, you're like, okay, yeah, I like, I need that spouse. I need that job. I need this. I need X, Y, Z. I want to have a family. And it's like, but does that ever end? Right? Like even now, like we're like, oh, you know, you know, maybe we want this or maybe we want to do this. And so I think like the key is like, yes, like looking ahead and like planning your life and having goals and having, you know, dreams and kind of walking towards them. But also like life is right now, right? It's right here. It's today. It's this air we're breathing right now. So if you keep looking ahead so much 
and don't look around you and find that happiness and that joy and the contentment, you're going to miss so much. And I think that's something, too, that the Gap Decade really taught me was just even when things are challenging, like, and even when you want to be 10 steps ahead of where you are, you still have those 10 steps. And so you might as well enjoy them, right? Yeah. Even if, you know, you want to be at the end, but enjoy the way. Yeah. Enjoy the ride along the way. Well, for sure. And that's such wise advice. And I know I've often thought that, like how, you know, now being out of my 20s and now my 30s, I mean, the just a huge regret is looking back on my 20s and realizing I spent so much of that decade just wanting to be somewhere else. And I didn't enjoy yeah. the journey I was on. And I, I was just wishing to be 30 or wishing to have arrived mm-hmm. somewhere else or wishing to. And as a result, I'm just like, yeah, there were some pretty lame seasons in my 20s where I'm just like, man, I was so not present and not really living the life that I was given in the moment. And I would love for our 20-somethings listening and, and even our 30-somethings to just dig in right where you are and embrace mm-hmm. the season you're in because God has something for you in that. So. Well, Katie, this has been a really fun conversation, a great book. Again, it's called The Gap Decade, when you're technically an adult, but really don't feel like it yet. And uh, folks, we want to make this book actually available to you for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So Boundless, which you already know and love, it's your community of friends who are kind of walking through life and navigating faith and relationships and more. Uh, We want to give this to you as a thank you. So if you go to boundless.org, you're going to see... You can even search 715. That's this week's show. You're going to see the book cover there. Just click on it. It'll take you to our donation page to give a gift of any amount to Boundless. And we will send you Katie's book as our thank you to you for your support of Boundless. And it's going to get you started walking through some questions, thinking through some things that maybe you're wrestling with even now. And so um, maybe you and your friends can get it and talk it through and, and just share some stories and encouragements as you are navigating again this season. So, Katie, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate it. Let's make it count. Let's make it worthwhile. The battle is ahead. And we need to face it. No turning back. No Well, folks, we are closing out the show by opening up our inbox, as we love to do. And I often say we utilize a vast network of experts to weigh in on your questions, because all of these questions come from you. And sometimes it might be a pastor, sometimes it might be myself, uh, sometimes it might be a specific relationship expert. And it's often one of our fantastic counselors here at Focus on the Family. And today is no exception. We've got Jeremy Keaton here. Hey, Jeremy. Hi, Lisa. Good to be with you. Great to have you. Okay. This one is a little bit of a long question because it's kind of involved, but um, a lot to go after here. And Mm so I'm really thrilled that you're going to lend some advice and some wisdom to this. So let me go ahead and read it for you. Our listener says, while growing up, my mom set strict standards for how I should act, dress and behave as a woman. She went so far as to say that women don't belong in the workforce and I shouldn't be working, quote, in the world, that it was a man's place. She also said that the highest calling I could ever strive for was to be a wife and mother. I eventually got a job after realizing I was miserable living at home, and she's since supported my decision. We have a good relationship now that I'm older and have shown that I'm independent and capable to live alone financially. 
Recently, I began talking to someone and was trying to learn more about him to see where he was spiritually. She lashed out at me and said, absolutely not, about having dinner with him. She said it was inappropriate to talk to someone I didn't know, and she didn't think his family, quote, looked godly. I'm 26, I live alone, I'm financially independent, have a strong moral compass, and would never officially date anyone if they weren't a solid Christian. Should I set boundaries with her? I feel very emotionally manipulated over things she has said to me in the past and the many wasted years I spent at home not working because it was deemed wrong. Hmm. Should I set boundaries with her? I feel emotionally manipulated. The short answer there is yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Not only, Lisa, due to the maybe overly rigid view of of men and women uh, in work, but but because it's simply healthy for a young adult to uh, be able to launch and be able to have some more adult-to-adult than adult-child relationship with their parents. But being aware and really thoughtful, careful, not reactive to the mother uh, in how you go about this, that will probably pay off. It will probably help if you get some support in not being reactive in how you draw these boundaries. I think this family, Lisa, sounds very connected, very caring towards each other. She's even saying that she has a good relationship with her mom now, even in the middle of this uh, tension. But it sounds like developmentally they're stuck in the launching process, and um, there's some, some major speed bumps there. The daughter, as a young adult, is is going to need to signal and draw some lines uh, around her independence. And it might be helpful to try and consider approaching it this way. Finding the good things that you want to honor, you can honor your parents without agreeing with them. Finding the good things you want to honor, even as you deal with the bad or the stuckness um, in this launching process. So telling mom and dad what you value and appreciate while also saying where you need them to back off. Combining those things in conversation might help. And I do say might help because I do in- detect some intensity here potentially with uh, mom's feelings about certain things. And it might not help even when you try to approach it this way, but this is still the best way to approach it, I think. Uh, Mom here seems maybe uh, that her identity is wrapped up in the young adult daughter, and so it's hard to see the separateness of this young lady from um, herself as mom. And, you know, that really doesn't go away easily. That's not a, a always a, a quick fix conversation. It's a powerful force. Um, it's called in family counseling, family enmeshment, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say this young lady's asking a healthy question and getting a counselor, perhaps also a trusted godly mentor that's separate from the family in her life. That might be smart for her because... This is likely going to be a journey and not a one-time conversation where she may need reinforcement and um, in how to communicate, I, I honor you, I value you, and yet there are some steps and things I'll be doing for myself and you know, consulting you when it's safe to do so and, and you want that uh, when that can be done without that 
big word enmeshment mm-hmm. happening of the, of identity into the adult child. There's a couple of resources if I could mention them. Um, of course, we'd be glad to talk to individuals at here at Focus in our department, and you'll give that number if we can support them with the consultation. Also, um, there's a book in our bookstore here at Focus, um, Unlocking Your Family Patterns. Uh, has several counselors that are co-authors. Um, so Unlocking Your Family Patterns, Cloud and Townsend, the well-known authors are part of that. And then um, Cloud and Townsend um, also wrote The Mom Factor. Hmm. And uh, that book can be found out there. It's been around a while, and we've had our own Focus on the Family broadcast with them hmm. talking about that book. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I almost think, you know, maybe you would, if you'd agree with this, Jeremy, it's like another thing for her to keep in mind is that it's not her responsibility to change her mom's mind on these issues. I mean, she has to do what's appropriate for her, like you said, setting the boundaries and deciding what she believes on this. But I think often we put so much energy into, well, they've got to come to my point of view or they have to change their mind or they have to and that might be an exercise in futility yeah it's not and and you notice in the answer here i'm not even really thinking a lot about the hot button issue Mm -hmm. because it's not if it wasn't that issue it'd be another issue Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not the content of their discussion it's the process of how she's going to engage with her mom because it will be another issue later and it'll be another issue later um, it's really about the process, your emotional process with your family in launching is really what's at the core of this, even though, of course, there are some details there uh, about work and roles that, you know, um, could be debated uh, and, and probably heavily debated. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not worth it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, folks, uh, Jeremy did mention that uh, our own team here at Focus on the Family is willing to provide a complimentary consultation. If you're someone who is like, oh, my goodness, enmeshment, that sounds like me. That sounds like, you know, there was just something in there that was kind of triggering you as far as a relationship you might have with your parents or another family member. If you call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY, that's our main toll-free number here at Focus on the Family, 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY, you can ask to speak to a counselor. And not only uh, can they just hear you out and give you some direction moving forward, including a referral to a counselor in your area that's been kind of vetted through a process here uh, that we have uh, to to check out Christian counselors, uh, licensed professional counselors around the U.S. But also, as Jeremy mentioned, a couple of them, a ton of resources, just guides, advice, direction to kind of help you start processing in this space and give you some good information that also is sound and will get you uh, started on your way. So hopefully that will be helpful to you. Jeremy, thanks so much for weighing in. Great to be with you. Thanks. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's show. Uh, We do want to hear from you. So write to us at editor at boundless.org, maybe with a question that you have for a future show that we can get to. Or uh, if you have something maybe right now that you're like, hey, I wonder if they've talked about this. Hop over to boundless.org and you can search there and see if we've answered your question in the past and kind of go from there. Use it as a springboard to see what else we have to offer. Okay, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.